There's a um, there's this album that I really like by a band called uh, Death Cab for Cutie, kind of a freaky name, but the beginning the beginning song in this album it goes, "So this is the new year, and I don't feel any different." And I really like it. It always gets stuck in my head. It goes, so this is the new year, and I don't feel any different. The clanking of crystals, explosions off in the distance, and always at the new year, it always it kind of resonates with me because you wake up on New Year's Day and you go, oh, so this is the new, this is the new year, and I don't feel any different. Maybe a little bit, you know, a bit more tired or something like that, depending on what was happening on New Year's Eve. But um, I don't feel any different. And then... But it is, a, it is the beginning of the new year, and so at the beginning of the new year, we're often like anticipating what the rest of the year is going to be like, and um, I'm sure that many of you will, beginning, will be remembering the beginning of last year, the beginning of 2020, when there was a whole lot of talk, myself included, about this being the year, like it had a great name, 2020, that we talked about 2020 vision, you know, this being the year that something special was going to happen, and we had... We had yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see where I'm going, right? So we had we had plans and um, and we're anticipating something cool happening, and then and then what happens is our plans by the third month of the year were yeah up in the air, up in the air, uh, and so it was the beginning of a year and actually more than a year of of disruption, uh, international disruption and national disruption like um. And we still have this ongoing now. Um, you know, New Zealand. New Zealand. We're so we're so blessed that we're not uh, facing and and, um, and lockdowns and shutdowns and everything like that. Whereas that's what's happening overseas. Like I I saw the other day that um, UK is is going into lockdown until February, I think. And so this is still going on. This disruption from COVID nineteen. Um, uh, nationally, we had we had disruption. We had our we had our lockdown. Although the rest of the world is probably laughing at us uh, now. For, uh, laughing at our, or the laughing and jealousy of our short lockdown. Uh, we got sign-in sheets. We had we had an election. Can you remember that? We had a referendum, and so you know um, there was disruption there. And so I think this year we begin uh, with a with a slightly tempered enthusiasm for the year ahead. Does that make sense? It's sort of like going, oh, well, we've got hope for the year ahead, but mm, I don't know how much how much uh, hope can we have going on? Um, because then you see what's happening. You see what's happening in the news and, um, you know, riots on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., you know, people storming the hill there. You kind of like, you kind of see how fragile um, nations can be, how how fragile um, governments can be. Ongoing lockdowns, which I already talked about. And then, I mean, I'm I'm a part-time scientist and so part of this fascinates me, but new variants of COVID-19. It's exciting, or not, um, depending on which way you look at it. But at the same time as this, there, there is new vaccines, you know, rolling out. So we have, like, we have kind of a, a tempered enthusiasm, you know, hope, but, but well, who knows what's going to happen. Last year we made plans, but many of those plans are now out the window. So there's this uh, old, old quote that gets thrown around, and I used to think it was, um, you know, a hero, John Wimber, but it might actually be Eisenhower. And he said, planning is everything, but the plan is nothing. Planning is everything, but the plan is nothing. And so it's good to make plans, but just know that by March, your plans might be out the window. Planning is everything, but the plan is nothing. And I, and I was thinking, like, how should we begin? How should we begin 2021? How should I begin? How should we begin? How should you begin 2021? 
What's your plan? Uh, do you have resolutions? Do, you, do I have resolutions? Do you have changes in your life that you want to make? Um, have, you, have you considered what God is saying, what God says? So this morning, we're going to look at what God says, and we're going to look at a, um, at a psalm, psalm, six, psalm 46. Psalm 46. And, at the, and at, we have these, have these stanzas. And at the end of the stanzas is this, this word, this Hebrew word, selah, which um, I like the way that um, they put it in the Passion Translation of the, of the Bible, where wherever the word is selah, they, they translate it to pause in his presence. So you pause in the, the presence of God. And so I'm just going to read it. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Pause in his presence and think about what we've just, we've just heard. Because it's a pretty apt set of words for a city like Wellington. We will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Pause in his presence. Isn't that cool? It's a, it's a psalm that's all about turmoil. It's all about disruption. It's about chaos. It's about all this crazy stuff that's going on in the world around us. And it, and it tells us that there's one place in all of this that we can find sanctuary, where we can find peace, refuge, strength, and help. And that one place is God is in God, and it's, and it's the one place where we can find sanctuary because God is strong, because God is powerful. He's so powerful that all he has to do is utter his voice, and the earth melts. He just says the word, utters his voice, and then he does utter his voice in this psalm. And there's one sentence, which is God speaking, and he says to us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is the God that all he needs to do is utter his voice and the, and the earth melts. But instead he speaks these really kind, compassionate words. Be still. Know that I am God. Be still. 
So I want to suggest a resolution, a New Year's resolution for us all. Instead of trying to do more, instead of trying to achieve more, instead of trying to create more, stop, be still, and know that He is God. Stop, be still, and know that He is God. And to have these moments in our day, these sila moments in our day, these pause in his presence moments in our day, to know that he is God. And it's not, it's not a sit still and turn on the telly. It's not a sit still and play more video games. It's not a sit still and eat more ice cream. Even those, those things can all be good. But this is, this is a real active and focused be still and know that he is God. It involves our body and it involves our mind. It involves filling our mind with thoughts of him. Be still and know that I am God. Right? Because there's a lot of God to know about. Uh, in the early 18... In the early 1800s, there was a, a Methodist minister, and he wrote this about God, and it's a, it's a long quote, and you might not be able to read it, but I'll, re- I'll uh, read it to you. God is the eternal, independent, and self-existent being, the being whose purposes and actions spring from himself without foreign motive or influence. God is absolute in dominion. The most pure, the most simple, the most spiritual of all essences, infinitely perfect and eternally self-sufficient, needing nothing that he has made, illimitable in his immensity, inconceivable in his mode of existence and indescribable in his essence, known fully only by himself, because an infinite mind can only be fully comprehended by itself. In a word, a being who from his infinite wisdom cannot err or be deceived, and from his infinite goodness can do nothing but what is eternally just and right and kind. Mind-blowing stuff Adam Clark wrote about in the 1800s. So be still and know that he is God. To know this kind of thing, or to fill our minds with the, the majesty, the infinity of who God is. Because there's more and more and more wonder and beauty of God to behold and to fill our minds with. His goodness, his love, his justice, his strength, his power. This year, I reckon, before anything else... We should make the first thing the first thing and make a resolution that can't be disrupted by anything that's going on in the world around us, that can't be disrupted by COVID, can't be disrupted by governments, can't even be disrupted by um, our family members, but make the decision to actually listen to what God says in that psalm and to be still and know that he is God. Make that a resolution. And to have a plan, planning is everything. Planning is everything. Make a plan. Think about the kinds of things that you can do in your day to be still. 
And to know that he is God, to think about the kinds of things you can do regularly, daily, or more frequently to get to know God. I don't think that coming along to church on a Sunday is going to be enough. Get to know God, to have quality time with God. God is a loving God. He, he enjoys quality time and we need quality time with him. Can you carve out a slice of your day? Sacrifice a chunk of your day. Get up a little bit earlier or find a moment in the day to sit, sit still and bring to mind God and to remind yourself truths about God, like the truths in that quote I read from Alan Clark, uh, Adam Clark. Jesus says that the first and the greatest commandment that God gave us is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, which is all of you, and with all your mind. And he, he was quoting, he was, he was talking about Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, where it says, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Three in one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets, be- frontlets between your eyes. Hello. People, <laughs> you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so you see here, like God is giving instructions to the, to the Israelites. He's given them a plan. How are you going to fill, fill yourself with the words of God and who God is? You've got to have a plan. You've got to write them all over the place. You've got to write them on your, on your doorpost. You've got to write them on your, on your forehead. Does anyone know a tattoo artist, a former tattoo artist? Uh, you got to teach them to your children. You got to talk talk about them all the time at dinner when you when you wake up in the morning. Like this is he's given a plan. Yeah. Quite cool, eh? And so we need to figure out how to love the God, how, how to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. We've got to have we've got to have strategies. I think this is the grace of God. He knows that we are, are fickle. He knows that we're easily distracted, and he knows that we forget stuff. Uh, that's true. <laughs> we get distracted so easily. So we've got to do this kind of thing regularly. One way, one way, one of the many ways that we can be still and know that he is God is actually what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take communion together. In taking communion, we remind ourselves of God's intervention into human history the way that Jesus came, unforced. No one, no one made Jesus came, and yet he came. That Jesus, as we celebrated at Christmas, was born of the Virgin Mary and grew up, a baby and then a boy and then a young man, grew up in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Actually, to be precise, 2,021 years ago and two weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How Jesus went to the cross and died on our behalf. How Jesus rose again victorious over death on the third day. 
And when we take communion, we remember the incredible grace of God who loves us so much that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. And Jesus is God. And so as we take communion, we remember and we receive what God did for us. So communion is a way to be still and know that he is God, that he will be exalted and we can't force him. We can't force his hand to do anything. He is God. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And as we go into communion this morning, I'm going, I'm going to look at, bring our attention to another psalm. And this is Psalm 23. A well-known psalm, but a psalm that I love to think upon at the beginning of the year. Because who knows that sometimes you have a holiday and you go away on your holiday and you come back and you just want another holiday. And you're like, where am I going to get this rest that I really, really need? And you discover in Psalm 23 that the rest that we really need is not by going away to a really nice part of New Zealand. It's actually in the presence of God. The Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Man, we could pause in his presence right there. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He is the one who leads us, who guides us. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Great psalm. Great psalm. Have you thought about how Jesus models the psalm? It's almost like he walks it out. The Lord, God, is, is his shepherd, as Jesus is our shepherd. He lacked for nothing. The Lord is Jesus' shepherd, he shall not want. In the mystery of the Trinity, the Lord God is Jesus' shepherd, he shall not want. He lacks for nothing. God the Father daily led him in paths of righteousness. Jesus was fully righteous, lived a complete righteous, completely righteous life, guided, led by the Lord. And where did that path lead? That path led through the valley of the shadow of death. When Jesus died, the Gospels tell us that darkness covered the face of the earth, the shadow over the face of the earth, a dark shadow. And Jesus went right down into the depths of the valley of the shadow of death. For us. (laughs) But even there, Jesus feared no evil. He had nothing to fear. He did not need to fear. He did not fear death because Jesus is life. He is the victorious God of life. Death can't hold him. He knew that. Nothing to fear. Jesus models Psalm 23. I've also been reflecting on Psalm 23 like this and just making it quite quite personal and thinking, reading it this way, You are my shepherd. You are my shepherd, Jesus, I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. 
True rest, true refreshing and restoration comes from God alone and being in his presence. So far, so good, right? <laughs> so far. This is, I think a lot of us might, might remember that first part, the Lord is my shepherd, but then the next part gets a bit hairy. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sometimes we think that if God is leading us, if God is guiding us, then we're not going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not going to go through suffering or dark times. But it's not the case. You see the progression of the psalm. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's almost like, almost like the shepherd leads us through those places. But it's in those places, it's in those places that we know that God is with us, comforting us with his, with his staff and with his rod. Another way to read this, read this is, um, again, from the, from the Passion Translation of the Bible, where it says, Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. <laughs> you remain close to me and lead through, through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. Isn't that wonderful? That's so good. You'll never be, I'll never be lonely, Lord, because you are near. So, and then the psalm takes another turn, another turn. And we find out that even in the presence of our enemies, that's where God provides a feast, which is so counterintuitive. We often think that in the presence of our enemies, that's the last place you want to have a big feast. But this is where it happens. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The enemy that is common to all of us is death. But through Jesus, we can face death without fear. Through Jesus, the ending of the psalm becomes, becomes our truth, becomes truth for us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, even the great enemy of death. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall live, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, Jesus died, and in Jesus' death, this is why we come into communion, is a feast a feast in the presence of our enemies, a feast in the presence of death. And we eat the feast that God has prepared for us, that Jesus himself prepared for us. And in our union with Jesus, we live forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Isn't that so good? <laughs> 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three twenty six. 26. I don't know if I've got this up here. No, I don't yet, sorry. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he, all, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink... If you, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we come and we feast and we remember and we be still and know that he is God. It all comes together like that. It does. Then we get the tables ready and then we'll um, take it together. <laughs>